Well, some things can get lost in translation, so just in case you were wondering, the organ is not playing today, not because of some conspiracy to keep the organ from playing, but the organ is kind of has a conspiracy against us and something has happened with the power there and I don't quite understand it, but something like that, right? Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I don't want to get any emails later about <laughs> that kind of thing. Some things can get lost in translation, especially and even when we read the Bible. That's why we study. That's why we study in community, not just in community with one another, but in the communion of saints from throughout Christian history. Things can get lost in translation. You know, I've had people tell me, they say, you know, I just like it when preachers give it to me straight. Give it to me, tell me like it is, tell me what I'm supposed to do with it. And by the way, preacher, I don't mind if you step on my toes, okay? And I get the sentiment of all of that, and because there are some things that can be made pretty clear in Scripture. The, the witness of Scripture is pretty clear on several things, and we can claim these things, we can look to these things, we can be inspired by these things, though I've found that some of the clearest things in Scripture are also often the things that step on our toes, and the people who tell me they don't mind their toes being stepped on, they usually do. Hence the emails. <laughs> the clearest truths... Uh, often have to, as Emily Dickinson said, be told slant so that we can hear them. And even then, or especially then, there are things that get muddled up in translation. Things get lost in translation. And I have plenty of examples of this, not only with Scripture, but with the world as, as well. I don't really even have to think hard to come up with these kinds of things, because as many of you know, I have lived in a couple of different countries, and I have tried... Keyword tried to learn some languages in those countries. Thai is a tonal language, you know. So even if you get the words down, or you think you've got the words down, if you pronounce it, or if you don't get the tones quite right, it can mean something quite different. So the sentence, and I'm not going to get the tones right, my, 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 can mean new wood burns, doesn't it? Uh, I actually don't think it burns that well, but that's what that sentence means. Or the word ma, I think I've maybe mentioned before, can mean about five different things depending on the tone you pronounce it in. A few of those being come, mother, or horse. <laughs> if you don't think things can get lost in translation there, let me tell you they can. This can happen with scripture as well as other areas of life. Some way, someone may say something in a speech or a sermon or a conversation, and we may think we perfectly understand what they mean. But if we're willing to follow up with curiosity, gently, with humility, to ask follow-up questions and to listen to their answers, we may find that we don't as agree as much as we thought. We don't disagree as much as we thought, or we may have been thinking about something totally different, two totally different categories altogether. This can happen on any given Sunday or Monday in every area of life, certainly with a sacred text that is actually several sacred texts put together over thousands of years, written by many different authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit 
in languages that none of us speak. There are things that can be lost in translation. And there are also things that can be found in translation. Things can be found in translation through study and exegesis and conversation, but also many things can be found in translation as they integrate in and out of our lives. Depending on how any given human being might choose to embody those things or understand those things at any given time. And this happens a lot with our children, if we pay attention, right? Our children can live and speak truth to us in a way where we can hear things different. They kind of have their own way of telling it slant. And so whether it be scripture or life, we can get a new angle or idea on something that seems very familiar if we'll look to our children. For instance, when I was a kid, uh, my grandfather was a candy salesman. He owned a candy business and uh, sold candy. And so he had around the house these, you know, notepads, bills, receipts, things like that. And we sort of imagined what he did when he went out into the world. And so we would kind of take our own angle on this and combine it with our understanding of the McDonald's drive through And we would go to the um, playroom at my grandparents' house and we would open the window and different ones would come and make an order of what they wanted through the window. And we'd write it down on my grandfather's pad, which I'm sure he was supposed to use for something else. And I wonder what he gleaned from that. As he looked back, what he, what he gleaned from our own interpretation of his life and business reflected back to him. This may happen in your life and families with whatever you do or whatever your customs are. It happens in our family all the time. My kids over the years have picked up on things and tried to emulate things that they've heard around here, either here or in other places. For instance, some kids play hide and seek. My kids will go into the welcome center, at least they used to, and will rearrange the furniture and play a game. They've taught this to some of your kids called tomb. They're creating a tomb, actually a tomb. Yes, that kind of tomb. And, and, and people go into the tomb and they've died. And then they come back to life and they rise and come out of the tomb. This is the essence of the game as I understand the game tomb. Later in the service, we're going to take communion together. And my kids and your kids have observed this over the years. I'll never forget uh, several years ago when we were sitting at a pizza restaurant in Zona Rosa and Jackson was upset about something, and once we got past all of, all of that, he was kind of sulking and silent over here in the corner, and so we weren't quite paying attention to what he was doing because he was being quiet. And then all of a sudden, as we were beginning our meal, he held up a slice of pizza and said, this pizza, this pizza is my body, broken for you. And this chocolate milk... This chocolate milk is my blood shed for you. Take, eat. Imitation, they say, can be the best form of flattery. And in that imitation, we can find a provocative, real-life translation, honest translation of communion. Now, something may have been lost in that translation, but perhaps if we think about it, we might find something there as well. I'm not going to tell you what to find, but you might find something there as well. 
we baptize people in this congregation, and when we do, there is a word of liturgy that is lifted from this sermon we just heard read of Jesus's in Matthew chapter 5. People are baptized, and we say, and I take a little salt, put it where they can taste it. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. Go now into the world and shine your light for all to see. That's our commissioning in Christ. Not my kids, but somebody else's kids. They shared with me several years ago. They walked into a room and the kids were practicing baptism. And one would say to the other, you are the salt of the dirt. And you are the light of the living. Now get out of here and go to Jerusalem. Now there may be something lost in that translation, but if we think about it, there may be something found as well in the way that it's reflected on and interpreted and proclaimed in their own lives. So in a few moments here, this is what I want us to do. I want us to think about one little sliver of imagery that Jesus has here, this salt and light. But we already talked about the light a good bit in Advent and Christmas. So I'd like us to think for a minute with different angles and ideas and interpretations about being the salt of the dirt or the earth and what it might mean for us, and you do this work on your own out there, to take some of those ideas and interpret them and translate them in and through your own life. What does it mean for us to be the salt of the earth? Several years ago, we were talking about this, brainstorming on this, uh, imagining this as, as a staff, and, and Mike Lasseter was working with us then, and Mike said, you know, after the meeting, he said, you know, salt doesn't always have a positive connotation. As we think about it, when we read these verses and explain these verses, he says, you know, a lot of us have been told by our doctors to cut back on salt, which seems poignant even in this moment because a lot of us have felt in the world a need to cut back on Christians who are the salt of the earth, or even to cut back on Christianity for one reason or another. So having or being or consuming salt, as Mike pointed out, is not always a positive thing. Salt in a, in a wound combined with water can create a solution that cleanses. And doctors used to even recommend that if you had a wound, you could cleanse it with salt and water. But my Googling this week, and I can check this with doctors later, tells me they don't recommend that anymore. And even if they did, it hurts. Rubbing salt in a womb is not an idiom with a positive affect. We don't mean something positive when we say that someone has rubbed salt in the wound. Salt can increase hypertension, high blood pressure, heart disease, and even cause bloating through water retention. As the salt of the earth, we don't want to be people who cause heart problems or water retention, right? If you pour salt on a slug, it'll dry that sucker up and just suck the life out of it. Maybe that's what we mean sometimes when we say that someone is salty. You are the salt of the earth. I don't think that's what Jesus meant. He must have meant something different. He must have meant something that he wanted to incorporate into our lives to be translated out of our lives. Historically, salt, especially before refrigeration, was used as a preservative for meat and other foods, so salt preserves. Salt keeps something good from going bad. 
It keeps things good longer. You are the ones who preserve goodness in the world for Christ's sake. Salt adds flavor and highlights flavor. We could expand on this metaphor trying to make it more modern by saying you are the herbs and the spices of the world. You add flavor to everything you touch. You add distinction. You add a little extra joy. You make life more delicious in a non-cannibalistic way. Because salt was useful and plentiful in Jesus' day, some people were paid in salt. Some people in Rome were paid with salt money or they were actually paid in salt. This is where we get the root of the word salary. It's what we mean when we say someone is worth their salt. You are the salt of the earth. You bring value to your world. You bring value to your work. You bring value to your community. Because of its connection with food, there was a common phrase that was thrown around like salt, sharing the salt in Jesus' day. Sharing the salt was a metaphor for coming together and sitting at table and being in community and sharing a meal. So that when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he doesn't mean that in the singular. He says that in the plural, meaning there may have been a tinge in there of you gathered here around this table together, sharing stories together, sharing life together, sharing salt together. You're sharing beloved community together, and that's a huge part of sharing the abundant life with each other and the world. Salt can lose its saltiness, Jesus says. It's not meant to just sit around by itself. That's how it loses its saltiness. If it does, it can completely use its usefulness up, and it can even become corrosive. Salt needs to be utilized in the right ways and in the right doses. Something can be made too salty. I didn't see this at our chili cook-off, but I saw this on a YouTube commercial about chili where this woman, it wasn't even a commercial, it was just like a home video where she was playing a trick on her husband and son and they were sitting there watching football or something and she'd made her famous chili and she wanted to see what they thought about it so she took a spoonful of it but before she brought it out to them to test she poured salt all in that spoonful. It was a test of honesty. Would her husband be honest with her about what he was tasting? And the answer is he wouldn't. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know? Yeah, give me some more. It was a little too salty. Salt can ruin something if there's too much of it. It can ruin a good pot of chili. With salt, less is often more. Okay? You are the salt of the earth. Interpretation is needed. Translation is necessary. The meaning and the application of things aren't always simple and straight. And in fact, with the truths of God, they are almost always like the life Jesus said he came to give us. More abundant. So what does it mean for you to be salt and light in the world? I think it means that through your growing relationship with Jesus and with one another you in some way become an answer to the prayer we prayed together earlier in the service. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. How does that happen in this world? It happens through us. As the illuminating power of the light of Jesus shines through us in a way that helps others find something lost that is good or find something lost that is better through our life's translation of the gospel. And how does that happen? It happens as the life of Jesus in us works its way through us in a way that preserves and perpetuates the good. In a way that adds just the right amount of gospel seasoning, enriching the flavor of life, not just for us, because salt can lose its ability to do its work in isolation, but for others, creating beautiful, enriching, enlivening, inclusive community as we share the salt with one another in community and with our world. The gospel sometimes gets lost in translation. The gospel sometimes gets lost in the way we translate it with our lives for the world. Have you seen that happen? But our calling as followers of Christ, our calling is to live and be in such a way that the gospel that has been lost is found Because we are being and embracing what we have been blessed to be and embrace in Christ and sharing it with the world. For you are the salt of the dirt and you are the light of the living. Now get out of here. And as you go on your way, Share the life and spirit of Christ with everyone you see, wherever you go. But first, let's continue to cultivate that sense of what that is. To lean into what that is, to embody what that is at the table as we participate together in Christ's communion.